Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. Good to see you. And uh, not a bad crowd for a holiday weekend. How many of you knew it was a holiday weekend? Not many, right? Uh, President's Day, uh, I, I didn't even know we really celebrated that, but, uh, but we do. And I know school's out, so it was amazing this week when, when so many people started texting, hey, Pastor David, I'm going to be away this weekend and uh, this and that and the other. And I was like, what is going on this weekend? But a great crowd this morning, glad that you're here Excited about what God's doing in this place. Um, I tell you, this past week, uh, myself and some of the other staff were gathered together on Thursday, and we were just talking about how God is moving in such amazing ways. We were talking about how God's moving in so many of the different ministries around here, and, and, and more than that, just in people's lives. And, uh, and you know, I, I love the fact that this morning uh, we have four of our youth, our student ministries, uh, four youth that are being baptized, one in this service and three in the next service, and then even some others that are in uh, scheduling process. But God is moving in some remarkable ways, and it's just so wonderful to see how God changes lives and how God continues to just move in people's lives. And, and ultimately, as a church, gives us opportunities to live out being the hands and feet of Jesus. And I love that. I love the fact that we have an opportunity each and every day of our life to just serve Christ in such a, a remarkable way. Uh, speaking of that, I do want to bring attention to something you probably noticed when you walked in the door this morning, and that is that this year we are participating with Operation Christmas Child. This is a, a ministry that every one of us in this room have an opportunity to be a part of, uh, and it's a wonderful ministry. It's a ministry of Samaritan's Purse. That is Franklin Graham's ministry that he launched uh, 25 years ago, and I think it's interesting uh, that it was 25 years ago. It just seems like yesterday. I remember that ministry getting off the ground, and, and it's been something that a lot of people have, have gotten behind and been a part of, but it's an opportunity where we have as individuals and even if, as families to put together a small box of different things to send all over the world, uh, but included in that is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And uh, this year, we were talking to some of the reps, and being that it was 25 years that they've been going, we were trying to decide how many boxes we would challenge our church to raise, and we came up with the number 2,500, and that's a God-sized vision. Amen? Amen. And so, I, I want to challenge you as you get ready to leave here today to go out, and for your family, however many is in your family, don't take less than that, Okay? If, there's, if, there's a, if you're a family of four, then grab four on the way out or grab eight or grab 16, whatever, however you want to do your math there. But, but, uh, but let's, let's do this. And then also, if you are in a place where maybe uh, as a business, you could even take some of these boxes into your business and, and give people an opportunity to participate as well. We will be collecting every Sunday all the way through November, and so we want to encourage you to do it. If you have any questions, there are people in the halls that will be there to give you your boxes on the way out and just uh, answer any questions that you have. But what a remarkable way for us to participate in a global initiative uh, for God's kingdom and for his glory. And so I just want to challenge you today as you head out. And then also, uh, we are partnering this year with uh, Real Men Events, which is uh, out of Jasper, Florida. It's only about 30 miles south of here, right off of I-75, and it doesn't take long to get there. But uh, men, uh, if, if you're looking for something to do with uh, a son, this is a, a men's ministry sort of a event, 
But uh, if you're looking for something to do with your, your son, this is a wonderful opportunity to go and have some fun and, and, and just uh, be around some, some real Christian men and some godly men. Uh, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I know some of our people were down there last year kind of checking things out, but uh, they're going to have all kind of things from, from skeet shooting to drone racing. Uh, I didn't even know that was such a thing, but anyway, there's uh, drone racing going on. There's even going to be a mechanical bull. So some of you men, if you want to prove to your son just how manly you are, you can jump up on that thing. But uh, it's going to be a great thing. And so if you have any questions about that, see Darren uh, Roberts. He'll be able to, uh, to really just point you in the right direction uh, with that. But uh, I tell you, God's doing some incredible things, and I'm excited about the opportunity we have to just be a part of all of that. Um, now let me tell you what we're going to do this morning. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. That We're going to take a break from, from walking through Ephesians. If you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you know that we've been walking verse by verse by verse through Ephesians. We went through Ephesians chapter 1, and then we got to Ephesians chapter 2, and we've been kind of walking through there. Uh, but this morning, we want to do something a little bit different. I want to break away from that for just a moment. And, and next week, what we'll do is we'll combine this week's uh, verses with next week's verses, and we'll sort of uh, put those together and have a message where we continue in that series. But God just really laid something else on my heart this morning, and I always want to be flexible to the, to the moving of the Holy Spirit of God and just, you know, where he takes us. Uh, you know, he's the one that's, that's sovereign. He's the one that's in control. And so we want to do that. Uh, this morning, uh, we're going to be going to a passage in John, so you can go ahead and start flipping in that direction here this morning. But recently, I was invited, as, as many of you know, down to the Dominican Republic. We went down there and had the opportunity to really just do some teaching on two things that are very passionate to me. One of those things is discipleship, and the other is church planting. And so I had an opportunity to go down and to speak to different pastors and different groups that are down there uh, looking to really just uh, reach uh, this country for Jesus and to make disciples and, and to uh, ultimately plant churches. And so uh, I was very excited about this opportunity to go. I love discipleship and I love church planting. And here's why, because you can't separate the two. I know oftentimes maybe that happens, but, but the reality is the two go together and, and they're supposed to be together because the reality is the Bible teaches us that when we make disciples, the church will form around disciple making. We don't plant churches so that we can make disciples. No, Christ has called us to make disciples who make disciples, and as this process happens, as people begin to reach their community with the gospel message of Jesus, and they begin to, to see God move, God will ultimately build his church. And I think it was Jesus that said, I will build my church. And so uh, the church is really in God's hands. Our role as, as disciples is to be disciple makers. And so I, I love that. I always uh, just love the opportunity to, to talk on discipleship and, and to talk about um, church planting. But also, in addition to this, uh, a few weeks back, I think it's four or five weeks now, we launched Equip, which meets here on Wednesday nights, and we begin to talk about, and I know many of you are in that, that uh, Bible study on Wednesday nights. We've got a really good group that, that gathers here, and we've been walking through this process, and I, and I just want to tell you, I've been very encouraged 
by those who have been here and been a part of that study because uh, it's just so encouraging to know that there are others who really want to know what it means to, to dive deeper into discipleship and be equipped that they too can be disciple makers and go out and ultimately uh, be a part of using the gifts that God has given them to advance the kingdom of God. And so uh, I've been very encouraged by this, uh, this study. And, and um, you know, it, I think it's interesting because uh, it's something that we need to always be focused on because Jesus himself, in, in the very last thing that he instructed to his disciples, he challenged them to go out and make disciples. And so that should be a part of everything that we do as believers and followers of Christ Jesus. That should be the, the motivation in our heart. The thing that drives us is knowing that we are being used by God to make disciples of all nations. And so this morning, I want to talk to you on the, on the issue of the making of disciples. Uh, in, in, in a little bit, I got someone who's going to come up here and just share with me uh, some things concerning discipleship. I've been doing this throughout this series a couple of times. We've already had that happen. Today will be a little bit different in, in, in bringing someone else up as well. But this morning we're going to be talking about the making of disciples. And we're going to look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4 verses 28 through 36 I think it is that we're going to, we're going to go through. Or no, maybe 38. We'll go through uh, verse 38 I guess. And so we're going to be looking at this and, and seeing what it is that, that Jesus is, is teaching his disciples and therefore also challenging us. Now, before I read this, let me just uh, kind of tell you a little bit of what's happening here in this passage. This is a passage that we, we, we speak a lot of uh, the, the, the woman at the well and Jesus' encounter with her. And this, this uh, passage that we're looking at comes right after Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. And if you know the story, you know that when Jesus came to the well, the, the story says that the disciples, they went into town, and it was in town that they began to buy groceries, and they were getting ready. They wanted to take care of Jesus, so they were going to bring him some food back. And so they, they were making all those plans to come and, and, and to come back and, and to, to have lunch, if you will. And so Jesus is there waiting, and this lady approaches to draw water from the community well, and as she's drawing the water, Jesus engages in conversation with her. And he begins to share with her uh, some truth concerning who he is. I mean, he's, he's sort of laying it out there. I am, you know, the, the, the Messiah. I'm the one that, that, that you've been looking for, so to speak. And so they begin to uh, engage in conversation. And obviously at the beginning, she's not one who would believe any of that at all. But as they continue to talk, she becomes more and more aware of this reality that Jesus is the Savior. And so she, she gets very excited about this. She begins to, to realize that he knows things about her that only she knows or that people who are very close to her might know. He, he knows a lot of information about her. And ultimately, we begin to see this woman, as she continues to engage in this conversation with Jesus, really begin to, uh, to, to just get excited about the opportunity that she's speaking to him and ultimately come to the belief that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of her life. And so here's what's amazing about that, and, and most of us here, 
would probably say the same thing that day that we came to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It became one of the most exciting things that ever happened in our life. We got very excited about that. And, and it, it's just one of these things when God engages our hearts, when God begins to speak into our life and we recognize his presence and we understand that by grace we have been saved through faith, that it is one of the most exciting and blessed things that we could encounter. And so she becomes very excited and she begins to, uh, to, to run into the city and she begins to head off into the city and, and right as she is leaving with this excitement so built up within her, the disciples are returning. And the disciples are returning and they have brought lunch. And uh, if you've ever been really hungry and it's like lunchtime and in fact you're wondering where those people that went out to get the food are coming back, that's kind of the, what I picture here when I read this passage. You know, here they come, maybe it took them a little longer than normal, but they're walking up and Jesus has just finished this conversation with the lady. The lady is running into the community telling everybody that she meets about Jesus and they kind of see this interaction take place and this is where our story picks up this morning. So I want to invite you to stand with me this morning as we began a few weeks ago, standing at the reading of God's Word. God's Word is the authority of our life, and we want to honor Him in the reading of His Word by, by just standing, and then we'll pray together as a faith family. But we'll read John chapter 4, starting with verse 28. Read this with me, if you will. It says, so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? She already knows that answer, but she's asking this rhetorical question. And they said to her, they, or they went out uh, of the town and they were coming to him. So people are beginning to, to gather to Jesus. They're running to Jesus. They're coming to see what what this, uh, who this man is. But look at verse 31 with me. It says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And so the disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did he? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say that there are four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes to the field that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and has gathered fruit for life eternal so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Let's just stop right there here this morning and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you, God, for your presence in our life. We thank you, Father, for the gospel message of Jesus that teaches us the truth about who we are as sinners in need of a Savior. But God, we also thank you for the message of the cross, which speaks to us about redemption, which teaches us about the holiness of God and the reality that we desperately need you and you alone in our life for salvation. And so, Father, we, we thank you for this message of the cross. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. And, Lord, how you continue to change lives day after day. God, it's just so encouraging to be around a work where you are moving. And, Father, as we read this passage, I pray that we would understand the significance and the importance of, 
of just being disciples who make disciples. Thank you, Father, for the, for the work that you're doing through the many different ministries where uh, those that come and participate hear the gospel on a regular basis. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And as we look into your word today, God, may you meet us in this place. We thank you, Father, for all you are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, it's interesting to me that as it is the norm with Jesus, that he uses every opportunity that he can to teach his disciples. Have you ever noticed that? If you read through the Gospels, if you read the story, the narratives that are told about Jesus and how as he's living his life, walking with these 12 men whom he's called, uh, Jesus is never without opportunity to teach them something. I mean, that's really what being a disciple is, is being a student, right? So as you can imagine, as Jesus is leading these, this group of men, he, he's constantly pouring into them. There are times like the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus goes and he just, he just sits down, he opens his mouth, and he begins to teach them truth. And, but then there's also these opportunities where uh, the, the disciples just seem to be somewhat oblivious to what's going on. And those are sort of comical to me because you have these situations where, where people, they walk into Jesus' presence, even his disciples, and they don't recognize the importance of what's taking place in their midst. And so it's always in those times that Jesus will just really uh, just sit them down and show them or teach them something that's really remarkable. And so here in this text, we see one of those moments uh, because we see something very exciting happening between Jesus and this lady, the Samaritan woman who has come to the well to draw water. She's come and Jesus has shared the truth with her. She has believed the truth. She is excited about the truth. She has been changed forever by the truth. And so now she's, she's just jacked up for Jesus, you might say. And she is running into the community and she is just shouting from the top of her lungs what, what Christ has done in her life. She couldn't be more excited about anything in her life. And we have the disciples who went out to grab sandwiches and as they're approaching, they just seem to be oblivious to this whole situation. I want you to look at this with me here. It starts off in verse 31 and 32, where as Jesus is, is, is doing this and, uh, you know, they come up and, uh, and, and they appear to be just perfectly normal in their behavior as disciples. I mean, it's lunchtime, it's time to eat. How many of you ever been in that sort of situation? It's you know, for me, I, I get up early in the morning, so 11.30 is about lunchtime. If I get to about 12.30, I start getting kind of cranky, and if it's 1 o'clock, we're going to lunch, okay, because I am starving. Unless I'm fasting and I'm having to depend on the Holy Spirit to get me through that moment, it's a time in my life, it's a time in the day where uh, I, I got to go. I got to go get something to eat, and this is that situation, and quite honestly, as we look at the disciples, we really don't see abnormal behavior. I mean, that's, you know, Jesus sent them into town to get some food. They came back with food. They're ready to just sort of present this uh, to him so that he can eat and they can eat. And so this is what's happening. However, Jesus notices something else. Jesus becomes very aware that the disciples 
have missed what's going on. And as usual, Jesus will use this opportunity to teach them something very significant. So notice what he says here in verse 31, or what we read in verse 31 and 32. It says, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And so Jesus immediately is going to throw a wrench in the plans, right? I mean, he's, he's already they're like, okay, who fed him, right? They, they know something's off. They haven't, they haven't realized this is a teaching moment. They haven't set their salami down and, and, and said, okay, Jesus, you got our full attention. I mean, they're ready to eat, and they just haven't noticed what was really taking place. But Jesus has noticed that they have missed that, and and so I, I look at this passage, and, and I begin to realize as I read this, one of the greatest dangers that exist in the church today, one of the greatest dangers that exists in the church today, I believe, is complacency. Another way we could say that is apathy. You know, if we start thinking about what these words are, we begin to realize that complacency is sort of a, a self-satisfaction uh, attitude. It's an attitude of just sort of being absorbed with what's going on in your life, but not everybody else's life. And so this complacent attitude seems to sort of surface from the disciples. At the same time, we see sort of a spirit of apathy, which is a kind of a I don't care sort of attitude. But regardless, the disciples are, as they're, as they're uh, walking up and they're seeing this, they're just, maybe, maybe it's just that they just completely didn't catch what she was saying, although I find that hard to believe because Jesus ultimately corrects him. We're going to be looking at that in just a moment. But here, Jesus points this out uh, to them. He, he sees this and he, he begins to notice what's going on. In the passage, Jesus has shared the gospel. Her life has been radically changed. She's filled with joy. She runs by them as she heads back into the town. And the disciples, they walk up and they see everything unfolding, but they are unmoved by what has happened. I read this, and I think it's interesting that the first word of this passage is, meanwhile, the disciples are urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Meanwhile, that's just such a, a laid-back term, isn't it? I mean, here it's like, meanwhile, back at the farm, right? It, it's just one of these things that just says there's not much happening. I think a more powerful word, a better response coming from the disciples would have sort of warranted a, therefore, the disciples went into action, throwing their sandwiches down, and ran out into the streets to share the gospel with everybody. Wouldn't that have been a really amazing story? We wouldn't even have to be preaching on it here this morning because of their response. But that wasn't their response. Jesus said instead, he said these things. He comes to them and he says to them what he tells them. He begins to teach them. And we see that the disciples have just completely missed this. And not once, but twice. Look at this. In verse 31, this is what it says. It says, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And so the disciples were saying to one another, verse 33, no one brought him something to eat, did he? I mean, he's given them perfect opportunity to recognize what's going on, and still they just seem to be oblivious to what is happening. I believe one of the reasons that Jesus is going to make such a big deal out of this 
is because discipleship, sharing the gospel, being evangelistic, all of these things is a big deal. For disciples of Christ Jesus, we've been given this amazing opportunity, but also a calling and also a charge to advance the kingdom of God through discipleship. Jesus has called us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's the reason we exist as followers of Christ Jesus. And so here we see where Jesus is about to really make a, a big deal about this, and it's, it's, it's real important for us. It's important that we understand. He says, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And so Jesus is saying there is a divine opportunity right in front of you. There is an opportunity to serve the Lord. There's an opportunity to impact someone else's life other than your own. There's an opportunity to embrace the mission of God. There's an opportunity to live for the glory of God, and you missed it. And this is the message that Jesus is going to bring to his disciples. It's a message where Jesus basically says, come on, guys, wake up. Wake up. It's time to smell the coffee. It's time to realize what's going on around you. And so this is what we begin to see. You know, and, and, and I, I look at this, and I begin to realize that making disciples will probably never happen if we're not passionate for all people for them to be saved. You know, it really begins with us having a real heart for Jesus, but also a heart for other people to where we're not focused on ourselves. We're not just tuned into ourselves. That, that ra rather, we're constantly thinking about how God may use us in a spirit of discipleship. Now, the second thing that Jesus teaches them here, or the first truth that he really teaches, because the first part, he's just very aware comes in verse 35, and I want to show you this here. He says in verse 35, he says, there are four months, and then comes the harvest. Now, look at what he says. He says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white for harvest. So, Jesus says, look up. Pay attention. Understand what's happening. There is something to celebrate. There is something to celebrate in your life, Jesus, I can almost see Jesus as he's looking at his disciples saying, man, come on, grab hold of what's taking place in your midst. Grab hold of the opportunities that you have as a disciple of Jesus to go therefore and make other disciples be a part of what's happening here as the Holy Spirit of God is moving in your life. He's saying, listen, grab on, be a part, embrace the journey Catch the train, whatever you want to say here. He's challenging them to celebrate the amazing thing that God's doing in their midst. And so he says this. He says, lift up your eyes on the fields, for they are white with harvest. And so what Jesus is really challenging them to consider is the vision of God in their life. He says, I want you to see I want you to see what it is that God is doing. I want you to see what God wants to do through you. Jesus is saying this town where you just went to buy lunch, they're ready for the gospel. 
You know, in, in September of 2005, we just celebrated really 13 years um, uh, since we began to gather, but a small group of people planted Cross Point Church. We began to gather together. We began to, to, to come together, and, and God began to bring certain people to that group, and it was really amazing to see how God was just gathering this person and that person and, and bringing us together for a purpose. We had, this, we had this banner back then. We had, In fact, we had six banners on the side of, uh, of our little warehouse that said, together we can make a difference. How many of you believe that with God and together we can make a difference in our community? How many of you believe that? You see, that truth hasn't changed, right? I do believe that together we can make a difference. And this small group of people, they believed as well that we can make a difference. And so what we begin to realize is over the years is that God has brought people together for the purpose of making disciples who make disciples. And he's challenged us to take steps of faith. But I don't want to just, I don't want this to be just about what I want, you know, my testimony, you hear me all the time. I want to invite someone who rarely gets an opportunity to come up here and speak. He does mostly the singing, but I want to invite Spence Parkinson, if he will, come up here. He was telling me this morning, he was a little bit nervous about this, and I think it has to do because he doesn't have a guitar in his hand. But, but anyway, uh, Spence is going to come up here and, and share with us a little bit about discipleship and just talk about some other things. And so, um, welcome to the, to the stage, Spence, when all the musicians are gone. And... Uh, I tell you what, I, uh, I love this guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, he needs some background music. We need somebody just to do a little pad for us, don't we? That'll come in just a minute, and then you'll know it's almost over. So, um, but, uh, but I love this guy so much. Uh, Spence and I, I've known Spence since before we even planted the church, and, and God has, has brought us together. He's really special in my heart. He, he's really... Uh, I say this about really all of our staff, and I think I say it because I'm the oldest, but I, these guys are like my sons, okay, and my children, really. But, I, I mean, it, it really is with Spence. I, Spence and I are as different as night and day, okay? I, I'm not the skinny jeans kind of guy. He is, you know. But, but the reality is is that uh, he's a guy that we can come in the office together and we can share our hearts, and God teaches me as much as I hope I teach him uh, through him, and so I, I love him to death. But uh, Spence, I just want us to, to start off here today by sharing a little bit about how you came to be at Crosspoint, and then what God has done in your life since being here. And um, it didn't take long for me to realize that the Lord was calling me to be a worship leader. But at the time then, this was a 2005-ish, mm-hmm. um, this type of worship leader setting wasn't crazy popular in South Georgia, maybe in the bigger cities. But down here, it looked something like a music minister or it looked something like a choir director. It didn't look like it looks today. So there was a lot of insecurities in me. There was a lot of just uh, confusion as to what that looked like, but I just felt the Lord calling me to something. 
and I'm not, I wasn't sure what it was. I had no clue how it was going to happen. Um, so through a series of events, I, I, I realized where I was leading at the time wasn't the place for me anymore. And my last Sunday there, um, three days later on Wednesday, and up to this point, I think I had spoken to David maybe two to three times like in my life. Uh, we were acquaintances. I knew about Crosspoint, but I think we'd already met, and I think I'd already told him kind of like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm leading over here. So uh, the timing wasn't right. But I, uh, my last Sunday was on a Sunday there, and literally on Wednesday, I, I remember I was a water delivery uh, truck driver. I drove a big old white creepy van around, and I delivered water, and I was somewhere in the middle of nowhere. This was back before phones and uh, GPS, so I had the big map, and I was pulled over, and I was routing my route, and my phone rings, and it's David. So literally two, three days before, I, I, it was my last Sunday, and we had already talked about trying out Crosspoint. We'd heard about it. God was moving there, and David calls, and is like, hey, man, what's going on? This is David, and I'm like, hey, what's up, you know? And he's like, man, the Lord's just really placed you on my heart today, and I just wanted to reach out and see how's life, man, what's going on? And I was like, well, it's funny you should ask that. Um, there's a lot going on. I'm actually going to come see you this Sunday, and that's kind of where it started. And, you know, since then, the Lord has really, I think, grown me as a leader, as a, as a shepherd, as a, as a worship leader, as a follower, as a, as a worshiper, and... You know, like everything that I know about leading people and about loving people and about ministering to people and about being a pastor, I've learned from this guy. And yeah. So, so, <laughs> so when he says he views me like a son, well, I view him as like a spiritual Father, someone who, who saw something in me before I saw it in myself. So needless to say, that meant a lot to me. So I've grown so much here. This place uh, means a lot to me. David means a lot to me. You guys mean a lot to me. And uh, I'm just so thankful for this place and discipleship. It, it really does. It changes people's lives. So, Amen. I, uh, I tell you, God is... is is truly sovereign, and one of the things, I wish we had more time today to share all the stories, and we have so much to share together that we actually have been talking about doing a sermon series coming up real soon called Seasons, where we do that together, and so you're gonna hear more of Spence's story, um, and, uh, and I'll try to get him to tell more about how awesome I am as well. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good part, but uh, no. Um, but uh, I, I'm really looking forward to that time, and we can talk more about how God has moved in, in our lives together, and I appreciate what Spence said, but I've learned as much from him as he has maybe from me, I don't know, but uh, it, it's, uh, it's really incredible 
what God has, has done in his life, in my life, in this church's life, and how God continues to just use us in remarkable ways. But I want, to, I want you to share with the church now what God has been doing in your life, specifically in the last year. God, you know, Spence and I have been meeting for some time now about different things that's going on in his life, and, and uh, so share with the church here this morning what God's been doing in your life. Yeah, so a little preface to what I'm going to talk about in just a minute is whenever you go to the Lord and you ask the Lord to move in your life, be ready, um, because sometimes he may start moving in ways you never expected, and... Um, It's really good, I promise. Um, <laughs> so about a year ago, you know, me and Sabrina, we just felt the Lord moving in our life, and not, we weren't really sure what it was or what was happening or, or what was going on. We just knew that the Lord was up to something. And if any of you guys have ever been there, there's this, um, there's this excitement, but there's also kind of like a... Uh, I don't want to say frustration because that's kind of negative, but it's, it's almost just like, what, what are you doing, Lord? Like, you're moving, and I'm feeling it like a, like a, like a good tension. And so we, we, just, we were talking about it, and then um, not really knowing what the Lord was doing, but I think maybe within the last couple months, um, David and I have talked through this whole season, and I've tried to be open and honest with him and just sharing with him what the Lord is doing, and He's been so patient with me and so kind to just kind of help give me great advice and help me walk through this. But about, you know, a couple months ago, I just, I think we got a lot of clarity in, in what the Lord is, is doing. And we know for certain that the Lord has a new season coming for us, for me. And that there is a new season, and, and I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. What that season is, I don't know what it is. And I don't, I don't necessarily know the details of when or what or how, but I just know that there's a new season. And in order to step into a new season, you have to step out of the one you're in. And I think that's the scary part. Uh, you know, I, I told David when we were talking a couple weeks ago that, I feel a lot like Abraham, where, you know, um, God calls you to pack up and to leave everything, your hometown and everything you know, everything you put all your security in, everything you put all your um, confidence in, all your value in, everything you know. And I feel a lot like Abraham, where he's saying, yeah, that stuff is really good and that stuff has been so special to you and it's made you who you are, but I have something new for you and it involves stepping out from what you know and stepping into what you don't know because I'm gonna meet you there. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna meet you there in a way that I couldn't have met you here. So for us, that's what God has been doing in our life recently and you know, and I know I keep getting choked up. We're really excited about it. Um, and I'm really excited for the church, too. Like, there's so much happening in all the ministries in this church. And the, the people we've brought in and the new staff members are just doing an incredible job. And the Lord is moving in this place. Like, and I know that. Um, so 
I'm excited about what's in store for us and the new season for us, but I'm also excited about the new season, what's in store for this church, because this is God's church, and God is moving in this place, and God has already used Cross Point Church to make an incredible impact, not just in Valdosta, but in so many other places. Like, people have come here for a, a moment and have been raised up and discipled and equipped in giftings, and they've gone out to so many different places, and now they're serving, and now they're ministering in so many different places, and I truly believe, and I'm confident that the the best is yet to come for this church, and this is just one of those seasons for us that, you know, it's it's a little uncomfortable, it's a, it's a little painful, but we know that God is good in, in everything he has for his children. We know he's good, and and we're excited for that, but, you know, there's also a somewhat of a, a, a painful uh, realization that in order to see that goodness and in order to see that greatness, it means moving away and stepping away from, from this goodness and this greatness, so. You know, recently uh, I saw a video, um, and it was Nick Saban speaking about Kirby Smart. And um, most of you know I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. I'm not an Alabama fan. Let me just go ahead and say that. But, uh, but <laughs> biggest applause yet there. Uh, but uh, as a Georgia fan, it, it just kind of got my curiosity of like, what's going on here? So I clicked on the video and I watched it. And Nick Saban, I, I thought it was something recent, but what it was was actually one that was several years back before Kirby Smart had left Alabama and gone to be the head coach at Georgia. And Kirby Smart was asked, he says, he says, hey, we hear rumors that Kirby may be leaving, that Kirby may be going somewhere else. And, and uh, one of the things I love that Nick Saban said, he says, well, you know, he says, you need to ask Kirby Smart about that, not me. I mean, you need to ask him. I mean, if, God, you know, if, if, he's, if he's going somewhere else, you need to. That's why I want you to hear from, from Spence here this morning. But something else he said that was really powerful to me, he, he went on to say, he went on to say that he says, he says Alabama, the organization, uh, Alabama football, is, is a, you know, they're, they're a high-quality football team, and they bring in high-quality people. And so when you bring in high-quality people, when you have people that are, that are, that, that are at that level of, of coaching, they're going to have their own hopes and dreams for what it is that they want to accomplish, what they want to go and do. And he says, so it's not surprising to us that, that we may bring somebody in, they may be here for a season, and then they may go out and, and do their own thing. And, and so he was, he was saying that's a reality when you have a quality football program like Alabama. But he goes on to say, he says, but we will always come in and bring quality people in to replace the ones that leave. And, we, and that the reason we do that is because we want to win every single football game. We want to win every national championship. And he says, so people may come and go, but that doesn't change what's happening here. And I love that analogy for the church as we think about this. Our hopes and our dreams for Spence, and, and he doesn't even know when he's heading out. I mean, that's what's so amazing. He just, he just recognizes a season in his life. And so um, my, my question was to him, even this morning, was, you're going to be here next Sunday, right? And, uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, 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 you know, and, um, and so... You know, the, the reality is when you have people that are as gifted and as talented and as called by God to do what Spence does, 
You know, he's going to have his own hopes and his own dreams, and he's going to want to go out and fulfill those. And one of the things I love about what Spence shared with me one time, he says, my greatest fear is, is, is not ever going and wondering what if I did go. And I respect that so much, you know. Another thing is, is, is I know when we as a church, when we planted, I, you know, Linnell and I took this huge step of faith, and I know what that's, what that's like, and I think we as a church, we, we took that huge step of faith, and I feel like Spence is, is sort of in that same place where he and Sabrina, they're sort of living out this, this unknown, they don't know where they're going, they don't know how they're going to go, they don't even know when they're going, but they know that God is doing something remarkable in their life, and they, they've got to respond in faith. And I know for us in planning the church, God didn't give me the answers till I stepped out. And so it was really remarkable to see him going through that, uh, even though I did threaten to beat him up for leaving. Uh, but, uh, but he's going to be here for, you know, two, three, five more years at least, right? And, uh, and so uh, we'll, we'll just see how this goes. We, like I said, in, in November, we're planning a series together because I just want to, I don't want to just lead this guy. I want to teach with this guy. And so uh, it'll probably be a three-part series where, amen, uh, <laughs> faith of the children, right? And so, uh, but, uh, but anyway, um, I'm just very excited about what God's doing in this place and what God's doing in his life, what God's doing in our life. And listen to me. I'm excited about what God's doing in your life, your life. And so uh, I just look forward to what God has in store for all of us as we continue to just walk through this and um and so anyway uh we just wanted to kind of give y'all a sense of understanding we didn't want any surprises out there later you know we just wanted it to be what it is